Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting, and you're listening to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Beware spoilers. Coming to you from Las Vegas, a city built on hot sand, broken dreams, and $5 lobster. A city where you can get a happy ending if you pay a little extra. A city home to a sporting event greater than the World Cup, World Series, and World War II combined. My name is Don. And to my right, we have the comic book guy, John. You're about as useful as a poopy-flavored lollipop. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Good evening, sports fans. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, fuckface. Okay, sorry. Okay, how are you guys doing tonight? I kind of feel like I got a wrench to the head. <laughs> hey, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Ow, man. This movie was submitted to us by one of our listeners, Julie. Thank you so much for the suggestion, and we are really excited to talk about it. I am going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say that you two have seen this film before. It's been a long time. I'll bet you VHS. Really? It's been a long time. I didn't think this movie came out on VHS. 2004 yeah well i don't know hasn't been that long for me because anytime this movie is on i try to watch it yeah this this movie is uh is a classic released on june 18 2004 dodgeball a true underdog story was directed by rossin marshall thurber it was written by rossin marshall thurber and it stars vince vaughn ben stiller christine taylor rip torn and a bunch of other dodgeballers. How'd this movie do, Don? Uh, this movie was made for $20 million, and it looks like it brought in 168 Now, there were a lot of names that, when you talk about the actors, that weren't mentioned, one of them being Justin Long. What did you think of the casting of this movie? It was fantastic. You know what I mean? Uh, everyone from Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, and then you have Ben Stiller's real wife, Christine Taylor... And then you have Stephen Root, Gordon, uh, Justin Long, as you were saying. It, it, oh, Alan Tudyk, yeah, out, fresh totally. off a of Firefly. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this this cast was great, and I was thinking about it, and I guess I can say this now, but uh, when the film opens and we walk through and we meet all the characters, I'm immediately hooked. Mm-hmm. Every one of them just seems so likable that I'm already there. So as far as the cast, I fucking thought it was brilliant. Was there a character you identified with? <laughs> Would it be bad if I said I identify with Pete? Of course you do. <laughs> Professor, is there one you identify with? Uh, Pe- Pepper Brooks, played by Jason Bateman. <laughs> yeah, usually you got to pay double for that action. 
<laughs> when they walk out in their S&M gear. That's rad. <laughs> what about you there, comic book guy? I don't know why, but I feel like I got a little bit of Gordon in me. I bet you do, buddy. Um, oh, Gordon's hilarious. But I want to I, 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 I I amend my answer. I think I'm part Peter and definitely part white. You are I, kind of a dick. Because I like to get freaky naughty. <laughs> In doing my research for this movie, I watched a lot of just making of type documentaries and behind the scenes things. Did either of you watch like what this cast went through for the making of this movie? No. No, no I didn't. I guess they actually started kind of like playing dodgeball and getting in shape a month before filming and were actually learning and doing the drills and everything. And if you watch some of the videos, it's so funny to see them actually playing, especially Justin Long, because he had to practice getting hit with the ball over and over and over again. And some of those are my favorite scenes is when Justin Long is getting hit because it's his reaction. He does such a good job as that character. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of dodgeball, Professor, uh, remember way back when we tried to have a dodgeball tournament? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah, nobody showed up. Nobody showed bad. up. We were going to base everything on the movie, right? The rules, the seating, just the whole thing. We were gonna, uh, we were trying to do a fundraiser, but no one wanted to come play dodgeball. It's not politically correct anymore. Well, did, yeah, I know. Did you guys ever play dodgeball or otherwise known as Socom in high school? or uh, Grade school. Grade school? Absolutely. Yeah. We played Socom all the time. I remember, <laughs> I remember all the being time? called Socom, yeah. I was always that guy who was the last left on the team. I don't know if the other team always just left me for last, but I was the one who could not catch a ball, could not throw a ball, but could dodge a ball. So I would just sit there and dodge and dodge and dodge and keep the game going. Being but the last but if you couldn't catch a ball, how are you going to get your other teammates in? I didn't. It just it was until they picked me off. You know, when I remember uh, playing and we had those uh, foam balls, mm-hmm. you know, that... You couldn't get any force behind it because they were fucking foam. I wish we would have played with the red bouncy balls. You know what I mean? So My gym teacher was such a dick that he would take those foam balls and he'd have a big uh, garbage thing full of water and they would soak the balls before we would play. Wow, that's fucked up. That's messed up. Yeah. Ah, uh, the 80s. Things that the teachers could get away with. Absolutely. So I guess in 2005, there was a copyright lawsuit brought against uh, Dodgeball and Underdog Story. Did you hear anything about this? I have not. I guess there were two screenwriters, David Pierce and Ahsoka Thomas, who filed suit uh, in federal court claiming that they had written a screenplay that was almost identical, uh, and they called it Dodgeball the Movie. Uh, Apparently, they had shown it to an acquaintance of an assistant who worked for the group that actually wrote Dodgeball and Underdog Story. So, you know, the the defense lawyers tried to get it all dismissed, didn't get dismissed, went to court, actually went for a jury trial, but they later settled out of court. So maybe this wasn't an original work. Maybe not. I'd be hard-pressed to find a lot of things in Hollywood that aren't fucking stolen or it was someone's idea and i mean that's probably how hollywood was made so that doesn't surprise me and the fact that they settled out of court tells you that they probably did lift the idea but it made so much fucking money well they just settled out of court well the the way the defense talked about it is if you're gonna make a movie a comedy about dodgeball they're gonna look similar 
you know, they both have similar concepts, everything like that. So I can kind of understand that defense. So, yeah, well, they settled. So the people who were suing won. How about cameos in this movie? Do you have a favorite cameo? Uh, let's Hasselhoff. see. Hasselhoff? I don't know if that was my favorite. Chuck I think, Norris? No, I think fucking Jason Bateman is. Is he considered a cameo or is he one of the. He's in it for three scenes? Yeah, it's a fucking cameo, I would guess. Although I guess Hasselhoff is playing Hasselhoff. Mm-hmm. So, I and mean, Chuck Norris is playing Chuck Norris and Lance Armstrong is playing Lance Armstrong. Yeah. So, boy, have times changed with that one. Which is funny because didn't that whole thing come out? Right after Dodgeball got released, I think so. And so when you go watch Dodgeball, you're like, eh. <laughs> "Yeah, that one doesn't hold up." Yeah, th- that one hurt a little bit. Yeah, but it was pretty funny. I remember that was a good. It was a good scene. It was fucking funny. I remember when I first saw this movie, it was, the Chuck Norris was the biggest surprise to me, and I was most excited about that one. Ah, uh, classic. Thank you, Chuck Norris. And then his hand gesture, the little karate chop. Yeah, fucking icing on the cake with that one. Yeah. So typically I like to come up with some trivia questions for you guys based off of whatever we're reviewing. And so I thought this week's trivia would be specific to the dodgeball rules. So what does the dodgeball term trap refer to? When you trap the ball between the ground and yourself. Professor, you got anything? Uh, When you catch it? It's when a player makes a catch... Using another surface or object, ground, wall, teammate. What did I just fucking say? Oh, Professor was closer. What did I say? You said when it hits the ground or something? No, when it when you catch when you trap it between the ground and yourself. Oh. This doesn't say ground in my answer. Read it again. It's when a player makes a catch using another surface or object, wall, teammate. <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay, next question. How many players are allowed on each team at the start of a regulation game? Six. Six. Correct. A maximum of six players and a minimum of two females on each team to start. There you go. At the start of the opening rush, what must each player be doing? Touching the back wall. Touching the back wall. Excellent. Nice work. You guys, we just watched the fucking movie. You know your dodgeball. Again, we just watched the fucking movie. Now, here's something I didn't know, and if you watch the movie, they don't do. Balls start out as dead. How do players activate them? Bouncing. By bouncing them. Are you just going to say his answer every time? Yep. Balls must touch the back wall before they become live. A ball is dead otherwise. Oh, well, there you go. Hmm. I did not see anybody on any of the teams touching the balls to the back wall. Because that's a stupid rule. It so, let's, like let, yeah, let's just throw that out, too. I'm negating that rule. Well, I get why they have it. Because as you rush out to the middle, you could immediately try to clock somebody that's a foot away from you. Yeah, and that's the fucking point of the game. So, I'm all for that. Did you know uh, the only time in the game when a foot, fall, or foot foul does not count? At the very beginning? The opening rush. You're allowed. You're not allowed to throw the ball, but you're allowed to cross the line. Yeah. yeah. Peter LaFleur owns Average Joe's, a small, dilapidated gym with low membership and staffing. When he defaults on the gym's mortgage, Peter's cocky and vindictive business rival, White Goodman, who owns Globo Gym across the street, purchases it. 
planning to foreclose on and demolish Average Joe's to build a new auxiliary parking structure for his members, unless Peter can raise $50,000 in 30 days. Goodman attempts to seduce attorney Catherine Kate Vitek, who is handling his account. Repulsed, she cites conflict of interest to rebuff his disturbing advances. Peter, gym employees Dwight and Owen, and members Steve the Pirate, Justin, and Gordon all band together to raise the required money. After an impromptu car wash suggested by Owen fails, Gordon suggests entering a dodgeball tournament in Las Vegas with a $50,000 prize. After watching a 1950s-era training video obtained by Justin featuring Irish-American dodgeball legend Patches O'Houlihan, the team participates in the local qualifier. Girl Scout Troop 417 easily defeats them, but are later disqualified due to one member's use of three separate types of anabolic steroids and a low-grade beaver tranquilizer, effectively handing the win to average Joes by default. So this movie opens up with a promo, right? And we get to see Global Gym, and we are immediately introduced to our antagonist. And I got to tell you, I think Ben Stiller is a great bad guy. Yeah, he, he plays a really good dick. Yeah, uh, Happy Gilmore when he's the orderly. The orderly, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there's, what, the one thing that's great about this is there's nothing redeemable about him. No, no. And, and just everything he says in the promo, you're just like, what a fucking dick, right? So I like his, uh, he talks about, you know, being fat's like a genetic thing, kind of like necrophilia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, clearly, he knows what he's talking about, right? And then we're introduced to Peter and via his answering machine. And did you notice the style of TV he had? Mm-mm. I mean, it was a big fucking tube TV. We haven't seen those in quite some time. Did you know, apparently, this movie is supposed to be taking place in 1993? No. Yeah, neither did I. I just read that. Did you pick that up in viewing? The only thing that would have made me think, hmm, this is kind of weird or a throwback, is the answering machine, the style it was, and his big-ass fucking TV. And if it's 2004, I'm thinking... Well, maybe he just doesn't go buy new stuff. Maybe he just keeps what he's had forever and just goes with it. He doesn't have a bunch of money. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you. I didn't fucking care, but I just noticed how big his fucking TV was. I I just figured this is one of those kind of movies that really doesn't date itself. Sure. It could be any time and still be, you know, I could assume it was made yesterday and still be feel the same. Almost. Yeah. Almost. There are a couple things that <laughs> date it a little bit. It's still relevant today. I will say, though, that I'm obviously uh, just jealous of, uh, you know, of uh, White's hair. Oh, so I mean, natural. When we were doing our 80s things and we were rating best hair, would White Goodman have made that list? No, because he was in the 1990s and I know, we but did if, 80s. If we now combined them all and said, you know, of all the movies we reviewed, no. who had the best hair? Not white. Not white? No, Dalton still wins by a landslide. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What, what? Hey, dickhead. Oh. And then so Peter gets up, he gets into his car. We can see what kind of life he's leading, you know, kind of a nonchalant it's devil may care. Was he drinking yeah. a Yahoo or what was it? Yes, he was drinking a Yahoo and brushing his teeth. And I remember thinking, 
fucking gross. That's the same thing Julie said. She's like, he's brushing his teeth with it. With Yahoo. Um, so he goes, he gets his car to start. And, you know, I got to say, I'll just say this now. I think that Vince Vaughn is one of those actors who plays the same character in every single movie he's in. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's old school or anything that he's done during this time or even after, I don't think it's until later on in his career that he goes a little bit more serious, but most of the movies that you see him in, he's just that, that same type of character. Agreed. You know what I mean? I think that his character in Dodgeball could have easily been crashing weddings on the weekends. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I will say this, it's fucking lovable. One of the things that I thought was kind of strange the way this movie starts out or even, uh, Vince Vaughn's character is usually like the lead in it is really the funny one. He's the comedic lead and there's like a straight man as kind of the side characters. Seems to me throughout this whole movie it's it's Pete that is the straight character because he doesn't crack a whole lot of jokes. He makes a few comments here and there, but it's all the characters around him that are the comic relief. Are we watching the same movie? I don't know. Didn't you feel like, I mean, no. was he the funny one in the yeah, movie? Yeah, absolutely. They're all funny. Yeah. Let's start there. But Pete has some funny fucking lines. Yeah, just some this comebacks does, every so often. But that's everybody. Everybody yeah. has that. So I wouldn't... I mean, he, he comes across as a straight man, but that's just because of his demeanor. I don't know. Right? But, if you take Justin Long, if you take Steve the Pirate, if you take all... Gordon even, they all seem to have more funny, you know, comic clips and timing and all that over Pete LaFleur. Yeah, well... I thought he played pretty much a straight guy myself. But he's still fucking funny. Oh, definitely. He was funny. But like I said, he was just the relaxed, calm, you know, calm one who kind of, even though he's the leader in the movie, he's almost in the background of everyone else doing all the comedy. I wouldn't put him in the background. Hmm. Yeah. He gets into his car and he says it's going to be a good day. And then, then we cut to the guys pushing it. Right. And throughout the whole thing, he's like, come on guys, just a little bit further. Don't pull a hamstring on it. It's not that, you know what I mean? A hammy. Uh, He's just trying to be a good guy, you know? And so this is the bit where he goes into the gym and we are introduced to all the characters. Mm -hmm. And I like that because it's quick and we get to know them just enough to either hook us or not. And I got to say the, the, the team that we meet right off the bat had me rolling. Well, the great thing about it is, like you were saying, the pacing was so quick. We got everything out of each one of the characters to know exactly what kind of character they are. Yeah. And we start with uh, Owen. I thought we started with Justin. But no. maybe we do start with Owen. Yeah, we do start with Owen. All right. So we start with Owen, and then... Uh, you know, he jumps over the thing and we can tell right away that Owen's kind of an, uh, a loser or just not very popular. He he was doing voicemail dating and then got a response in two months. And this leads me to one of my favorite lines from Peter. Is he says, uh, don't worry about it. There's someone out there for everybody. And, and sometimes there's two for one person. And I like to call that hitting the jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> And then we meet uh, Gordon, right? And we can tell right away Gordon's just, uh, uh, he likes to talk. And he loves to tell Peter, you know, these obscure facts. And we see that it's Steven Root. And what do you guys think of Gordon as a character? He reminds, well, he he plays the same character in, in Office Space. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty the, much. That, that That's my red stapler. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then after Gordon, we get to Justin, and he's trying to work out, but he's all tangled in the machine. And, uh, you know, Peter gets him out, and then we get a little backstory on Justin. And Did you hear what got uh, Justin the job in this movie? What's that? Uh, I guess they saw him in Galaxy Quest and wanted him for this movie. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. So then we're told in flashback about, you know, Justin's experience. And then after that, he walks into his office, and he meets Kate. I love their initial reaction where he kind of flirts with her and asks her, I think, what kind of law she's into. Sexual harassment, mostly. I thought that was that was a really good response. I loved that that look on his face. Okay, then. Yeah. And then we find out uh, through some exposition that Peter's gym is in trouble. And I know when you read us, you know, the uh, plot so far, it said that White had bought the gym. No, he had bought the mortgage to the gym and that's why they needed to come up with the 50,000 to pay off the mortgage before white took control. Thank you for that clarification. You're welcome. And then, so, uh, he finds out that, uh, white is going to buy the mortgage. And so he goes to visit white. Uh, what did you guys think of this bit with, uh, Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller? I thought it was very rich. You know, he's, he, you know, he, he just oozes this, this, this sliminess. I, I love the the overacting he does when he's on the squats machine, and then him and his what does he call him his fitness consigliere yeah. Michelle Mich- Michelle <laughs> he st- he starts going crazy and then <laughs> Vince Vaughn walks in. I hate to interrupt what's going on here, you know. And so we kind of get this little uh, backstory that White and Pete don't really or White doesn't really care for Pete. What do you think of the reasons? Oh, they're they're fucking hilarious. <laughs> You got me a stripper once. Well, oh. it was a guy. Well, let's not get caught up on gender. You yeah. know that, and he had date. He, you keep dating my, you know, my trainers. Oh, he can always you 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 slept with three of my trainers, and he says, "Well, it was just that one time." Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you say? The jackpot. <laughs> we now know that White is going to buy the mortgage, and Peter has pretty much accepted the fact that Average Joe's is going to close. So he goes back and he tells the fellas, and now they're trying to brainstorm on uh, how to come up with the money. Uh, what did you guys think of this bit? I thought the idea, you know, paying it off in Canadian dollars was a great idea. We have to pay him $120,000? So funny, yeah. Well, at least they came up with the idea of the car wash because that'll come up. That'll that'll land you fifty thousand. And so we cut to the car wash, and of course uh, there was another car wash going on at the same time. Uh, <laughs> but I thought it was funny that you know they had one customer and they he kept paying Justin right to wash his truck over and over again. This is where I actually got an idea of something I do that drives Julie crazy. Uh, whenever she's out in the front yard gardening, I will sit in the front window and kind of rub my mommy hole with my shirt up and just showing my belly just so all the neighbors can see. Boy, you know how to win points at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it'd be more effective if you just stood by her and did it outside like the guy. Why are you standing inside? Well, I'm get, standing get inside looking at her while she's I'm, doing it. I get that. What I'm saying is go outside and stand over her and do it. But I don't like going outside. Well, then you're only putting in half effort, bud. Okay. Only half effort. So they go back and clearly they didn't make $50,000. And In fact, they lost money because buying all the, oh, the clean right. stuff. <laughs> and then someone, I like the suggestion of, well, we could sell blood and semen. And they, they look at him and he's all, 
not mixed together. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Gordon reading the obscure sports magazine. It's obscure sports quarterly. And comes up with the idea of dodgeball. Which just so happens to have a $50,000 prize. Yes. So we are set. Our story is ready to take off. The losers at Average Joe's have to go and win a dodgeball tournament in Las Vegas in order to save Average Joe's earning $50,000. But first they have to do a quarterly final. Well, I like when they're trying to talk Peter into it. And his response at the end made me think of exactly how you would have responded, Don. You had me at blood and semen. So they go and they have their match. Uh, Continuity error. And I don't know if anyone has caught this. I didn't even see it on the IMDb continuity. But uh, when the troop is walking up, the girl who gets suspended isn't on that squad. I looked for her this time. and I couldn't tell if one of them on the very sides might be her. But I think you're right. I think they kept her hidden because they they wanted to have that big reveal later on. I don't know if that's why they did it. I think it was just continuity Hmm. because there's only six of them. And at the end of the match, there's still only six of them. So yeah, well, there is one that kind of looks like her, but it isn't as big. No, it's not her. I'm telling you, it's not her. Okay. All right. Cause then we cut to them lining up on the wall and then she's, she's there. Mm -hmm. So what'd you guys think of this first match? Well, I want to talk about the, uh, the Uber American instructional films that they watched to understand how, Dodgeball is done. With a cameo, which we forgot. Hank Hazera. Yeah, absolutely. I just thought that that instructional video was hilarious. And uh, watching that kid getting pelted in the face with the ball, that's pretty damn funny. Fucking classic. Mm-hmm. Fucking classic. I thought the whole style of the black and white, the design, the music, it all really, it felt like one of those old infomercials, whatever, news stories from you know, the war when you used to see them in the movie theaters. Yeah. But, it, I mean... I mean that's how that's how instructional films got shown and made back mm-hmm. in the day. You know it came from the fifties, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Although they've been making the videos since nineteen thirty eight, or it was uh, teaching American youth, America's youth since nineteen thirty eight. But this also introduces us to Patch O'Houlihan. Patches O'Houlihan. So we're at the tournament, and uh, you know they they start the game. I thought it was fucking hilarious that. Uh, Vince Vaughn nails the little girl with the ball, and she's all, how could you? Why would you hit a little little girl? And then it was a fucking uh, two-time, right? Because then he gets hit, and then she gets up, she sticks her tongue at him, and oh my God, his response, you're adopted. Your parents don't even love you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was awesome. There is some extended footage out there, if you watch, where he just goes off for like two, three minutes of just saying things like that to this little girl. And they end up winning on a technicality. Even though they were crushed. Uh, because one of the girls tested positive for a bunch of steroids and a beaver tranquilizer. Who hasn't taken a beaver tranquilizer? That's what I'm saying. I'm just shocked that it got uh, spotted on the test. Well, apparently it's illegal for dodgeball. Mm. Well, there you go. You know. I guess we're disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> so they're at the bar and White comes to gloat. Uh, what would you guys think of the uh, bar's name? Oh, I forgot the name. The Dirty Sanchez? Dirty Sanchez, yeah. I even pointed it out to Julie. You know what that is, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know what a Dirty Sanchez is? No, I don't. Would you like to educate him? Because (laughs) I I live a virtuous life. Yes, okay. Well, if you ever get bored while you're sitting in the lab, (laughs) Google Dirty Sanchez. I was going to say, listeners, if you're interested, you can Google it. I would recommend not looking at the photos. 
Yeah, well, you, you can recommend all you want, but I mean, curiosity is out there. So they're sitting at this uh, Dirty Sanchez restaurant and White comes in to gloat. Uh, what did you guys think of this whole bit? Oh, he's just over the white, white being over the top white. That's all he, that's all he knows how to do. That's yeah. all he does in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where we also get the introduction to the idea of the purple cobras. Did you get the kind of eighties reference with that name? Sure. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I went back to the eighties and if they're trying to, you know, pay homage to Cobra Kai or whatever, but it just fit because that's where, uh, that's how I would see white Goodman creating a team. I can totally see him calling them the purple Cobra. I'm going to say one thing that will take you back to the eighties. Go ahead. Joe's versus Cobra. It was a reference to GI Joe versus Cobra. Wow. I have seen this movie numerous times, and I never, ever once put that together. Wow. But now you see it. Now I see it. Now I can totally... I thought they... Wow. Joes versus Cobras. My mind's blown, listeners. Ah! Uh, This is where we also get our introduction to Fran. What do you think of Fran? (laughs) Uh, I love the unibrow, you know. And And the teeth. It made so much sense that when Owen would see her, that Lady in Red song would play. Uh, and you could tell that that was going to be a, a theme throughout the film. It was, it was fucking good. I liked mm-hmm. it. Because like Peter said, there's someone out there for everybody. I like when she throws the ball, knocks the guy out by the jukebox, and later on they're like, I think he's really dead. I think he's really dead. <laughs> it was good. Having spied on average Joes using a hidden camera and a cutout of himself, Goodman forms his own team. The Global Gym Purple Cobras, surprising Gordon by revealing that his extremely personal friendship with the Chancellor allowed him to bypass the mandatory qualification match. After watching their confrontation, Patches, now an elderly man who uses a wheelchair, approaches Peter, volunteering to coach the team. Patches' unusual training regime involves having them dodge wrenches, oncoming cars, and his constant insults. Kate demonstrates skill at the sport, but declines to join the team, citing COI. Goodman arrives at Kate's house uninvited and announces that he misled her bosses about her drinking on the job, thus getting her fired from the law firm and freeing her to date him. Enraged, but now free of COI, she rejects Goodman and joins the average Joe's team. So they are at uh, the bar and... um, the Cobras come in, they make a scene, and they leave. And while this is all going on, Patches O'Houlihan is watching, right? So we're reintroduced to this character. And then when Peter leaves, uh, he says that uh, Patches approaches him and says, I'm your new coach. So, there. Um, I love that he was in the same jacket with the same scarf. Yeah, he hasn't changed at all. <laughs> so funny. And Rip Torn is so good in this role. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's... He's throwing out just so many insults, and some of them kind of aged, but most of them fucking hilarious. So when we reviewed Ocean's Eleven, Carl Reiner, the fact that he was in the movie was a big hit. The fact, you know, he had so much history behind him. I kind of felt the same way about this movie with Rip Torn. Like, he was the Carl Reiner of this movie. Sure. Okay. Did you feel that way? Like he just, he was a standout to me. He was so funny with his insults, his training methods, just the the way he got into that character. Yeah, he was great. And then during all of this, uh, they go back to the gym and they see a cutout of (laughs) White. Yeah. 
and uh, what it had uh, three three month passes to Global Gym, you know. But we come to find out later that it's a surveillance tactic. Uh, is it after this that we start getting into the training montages with patches? Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie is some of the training sequences, uh, especially when they introduce the wrenches. That first wrench that hit Justin Long in the face, I don't know if you read, but it actually split his uh, eyebrow and he had to get stitches. Oh, really? They let him throw a real wrench? I guess most of them were rubber wrenches, except maybe that first one. Yeah, well, crazy. Well, it was just tougher than the rest of them. Oh. And then, uh, you know, he throws it at Justin, hits him, and then just that whole bit with him on the ground. And, and Vince Vaughn's like, are you sure this is necessary? Necessary? Is it necessary for me to drink my own urine? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I like the taste. And it's sterile. And so thus begins the training montage. I think my favorite bits out of this training montage are the wrenches and then uh, the fact that Justin just keeps getting pelted. Mm -hmm. It just kept making me laugh over and over again. I don't know why, but I chuckle every time Gordon is trying to get across the street. (laughs) And he gets hit once. And he's like, fine, I'm fine. It's that second hit hit that fucks everything up. It makes it pretty funny. Everyone's reactions. What about you? Oh, I just like the wrenches. And then uh, I also dug it when Kate uh, gave her a softball pitch. I love that. That was so good. And she's all, what? Eight years of softball. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. It, it's not very PC, but I like, kind of like the reoccurring, oh, she's a lesbian. <laughs> she is not a lesbian. And they, and they keep stringing that along. Mm-hmm. Uh, the payoff is fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, White. White is uh, spying on him, and mm-hmm. he sees that Kate has this heck of a fastball. So he says, I'm going to have to woo her a little bit sooner than nature intended. And I think this this scene to me is uh, pretty fucking funny, too. I was digging that outfit. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then the song that's playing, you know what I mean? What song was that? Um, isn't it called, is it called Tonto? I don't know. Uh, it, no. Um, shit. Dun, 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 dun. Dun dun dun! Jump on it! Jump on it! I think that's what it's called. Uh, maybe. So uh, he goes to Kate's, and you know he tells her, he tells her, uh, "I got you fired. I told your bosses that you were drinking on the job, and they bought it. They assigned yeah. some other Johnny pencil pusher to my account. So it's no longer a conflict of interest, right? And then uh, you know Kate's like pissed, like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You know. And he tries to tell her he wants to date her, and she's like, no. As the funny thing is, is you know, I've seen this movie so many times, it was only recently that I found out that they were actually married in real life. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I did not know that that was Ben Stiller's wife. And then I went and read up on it. Did you know that they almost got divorced? No. They were actually separated for several years, uh, but... When COVID happened, they had to bunker down together for the kids' sake in one house, and it ended up saving their marriage. Now they're back together. Oh, that's sweet. Oh. So, yeah, they've been married like 20 years. Yeah, yeah. I got this for you for that information. And then Peter shows up, you know, just in the nick of time. And uh, I like when White goes to uh, touch Kate or whatever, and then she slams him into the uh, door Uh to the house. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. What was that? Nobody. A, what was that a reference to? Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Uh huh. I don't know what. 
It's from The Simpsons. From The Simpsons. Nelson and one. Hey, nobody makes me bleed my own blood. No. Yeah, yeah. I never saw that one. <laughs> and then I like how uh, White snaps his fingers. And then Michelle is just there <laughs> on a on a Vespa. <laughs> One thing funny about the snaps, and I read this, but I haven't yet tried it out because I do have a Blu-ray of Dodgeball at home. Supposedly, like Easter eggs, they used to hide in DVDs and Blu-rays. Every time Ben Stiller snaps, if you supposedly hit the Enter button on your remote, it will go to an Easter egg. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I didn't know that. I'll have to try that out too. And so this is where... Uh, well, where they go inside and then we see all of the unicorns. Yeah. And I, I got to say, um, this uh, reminded me of Peter just showing up and kind of, you know, forcing his way into her house. I thought for sure you were going to have a problem with it. Oh, I could see that. He wasn't invited in. Yeah. And he just showed up. So, but... But we know how Peter. But has you know issues. what? But you know what? Fuck you for even making me think that while I'm watching my fucking film. Oh. So yeah, he goes inside and uh, all the unicorns. He makes a reference, and I can't remember the woman that he referenced. Dear Barbara, I guess she was a teen advice columnist. She had written some books about teen advice. Oh, that's so about funny. young women, like advice. a dear, like a dear Abby type yeah, thing, but for yeah. teenage girls, he plays it so cool, and he's such a lovable goof. You know, uh, she he gives her, he comes to try to convince her one more time to be on the team, right? And uh, they're having a glass of wine. Did you notice the goblets they were drinking out of? They had like unicorn designs, mm-hmm. and they were metal, like something out of Lord of the Rings. Well, something that I appreciated about this was. Before all of this, we get kind of almost the impression that Kate's almost perfect. I mean, there's nothing wrong with her. And then we get to see this whole unicorn thing, and you realize she's just one of the gang. She's, she's got as many issues as the rest of them. Oh, sure. And uh, he bribes her with two expired movie tickets and one coupon for a back rub. And, you know, if you play your cards right, it could turn into a full body. <laughs> So Kate, you know, goes along with it and declines. And she says all she wants is to see the look on White Goodman's face when they win. Mm -hmm. And then that gets us to Vegas. And we are introduced to Cotton and Pepper. Uh, I love these two fucking commentators. Gary Cole uh, is great. And Jason Bateman at the time wasn't really doing much. So when we saw him there, we were like, oh, fuck, that's Jason Bateman. Right. Since then, he's made a fucking full on comeback. But in this role, it's so good. I I fucking loved Cotton. I guess Cole Cole gets invited to a lot of actual dodgeball tournaments now. So because of this, because of this, I could imagine. (laughs) So uh, it's right before the first match. And it turns out that Owen wanted to give the team new uniforms, uh, but they got mixed up with. Uh, of course, they did an S and M group. And uh, what did you guys think of this whole bit? I, I thought it was hilarious, especially the fact of that they put on the entire outfits. They could have just put on you know, the tops and bonds, whatever. Was it uh, Owen comes out with the with the gag with, with the, the horse thing yeah. bridle in his mouth? <laughs> And I just love how Peter comes out again, straight laced, just, sorry, sorry about this, sorry. Yeah, he, no, he just walks out and says, uh, we're here. And then I love the judge's reaction. He looks at him, and then he just goes with it because it's fucking Vegas, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they have matching uniforms, so he's all, we're ready. And he's like, 
Okay. And so they start their first match. Well, they're not matching, but almost. But it's all S and M stuff. It's all themed. Yeah. Yeah. It's a matching theme. I like how Peter is since he's the captain, he's got daddy. Oh my god. Uh I love after they win, is this the one? How do they win this one? Because they I feel like they win each match very with, close. With, yeah, with something, right? They're playing Germany. Right. I, I know they're playing Germany, but uh doesn't Kate uh Kate and uh, Peter, go, Peter out. go out. No, Gordon goes out first because this is a continuity issue. Gordon, if Gordon is the first one to go out, he should be the first one to come back in after a ball has been caught. But uh, Kate comes back in. And, and then I she think, catches a ball, and I think, doesn't Peter come back in? Well, I know they do that. They might. Um, but either way, Joe's lands up winning. I loved... How in the beginning, when the locker room, the Germans were looking at a picture of David Hasselhoff, and turns out he's their actual coach. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you know why they used David Hasselhoff at that time? Because he was so fucking huge in Germany. Yeah, he was our number one singer in Germany at yeah. the time. I think Hasselhoff was bigger in Germany than he ever was here. Yeah, when the wall came down, he did a performance during that. I remember that. And this leads me to uh, another funny bit, like you were saying, uh, the owner's of the S&M gear show up wearing their average Joe stuff. And it's this little old guy. And, you know, Vince Vaughn, just being Vince Vaughn, he goes, you must be daddy. <laughs> uh, good dialogue. Did you catch that they stayed for the whole tournament? Yeah. That they were up in the crowd the whole yeah. time? Yeah. So now we get to this montage of the tournament, and it gives us a breakdown of the rules and a breakdown of the seating. Um, out of all of these matches, what was your favorite? Not counting the final. That's a tough one because uh, are you talking about the ones that the average Joes played or any of them? I wanted to say the rappers, but they actually weren't that great. No, I like that they're dancing in the middle of it. Yeah, though. They're just That's dancing, what I like getting too. hit. Yeah. So we start out with Germany, and then after Germany, then we go to the Lumberjacks, and then after the Lumberjacks, uh, the Kamikazes, and then after the Kamikazes, then we have the Skills That Kills. Those are the rapper guys, right? And then after that, then we have, oh, the Las Vegas Police Department. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I was looking up the different names of the teams. There was... The, uh, the Flying Cougars, Team Blitzkrieg, uh, the Kamikazes, Skills That Kills, Las Vegas Police Department, Lumberjacks, MILFs, Moose Knuckles, Clown Punchers, uh, Mulchers, She Mullets, Wedgies, Yetis, and Pouncers. I <laughs> like Moose Knuckles. And then after the LAPD or the Las Vegas Police Department, then we get the Flying Cougars. And this is where we get to see Gordon get mad. I think that was my favorite of all of them, when Gordon gets mad. And just the fear on their faces as he's taking each one of them out. And he is, too. Right? And he looks over at uh, you know his kids, who look just like him, and then his uh, mail-order bride uh, getting all smoochy with another dude. And he gets mm -hmm. all angry, and he goes out there, and he fucking wins it for him. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I like the last hit when it was just kind of the slow, quiet hits the guy in the face and you see the spit coming out of his mouth. Yeah. 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 You have to have one of those in this movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. During all this, we also get to see Justin see his old uh, cheerleading flame and, th and the cheerleading uh, squad is there at, in Vegas for a competition as well. Ah, the GGC's no doy. <laughs> I like when uh, what the dude says to him. He's all, hey, Derek, uh, sweet do. And, he, and Derek's like, get bent, helmet. 
<laughs> I don't even know what the fuck that means. Uh, and then I like what um, Dwight says. Oh, maybe he'll just fall out of the roller coaster and break every bone of his body. Yeah, it happened to a cousin of mine. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so, yeah, so now we're introduced to the uh, high school being there, too. But wouldn't that be an example of, I don't know, foreshadowing? Yeah, it could be. I thought we were going to get through this without that. Do, do you think we'll ever get through any? I don't know, but I, I keep thinking it might happen. And you know what? You, every time you foreshadow... Ooh. Um, I seem to be getting hit by a lot of balls in the face tonight. When's a few for cow? Oh, Ken, would you rather? Uh... Oh, man. All right, then. Despite early setbacks, the team manages to advance to the final round of the tournament against Globo Jim. The night before the match, a falling sign in the casino kills Patches. Demoralized and anxious that the team will lose without Patches' motivation, Peter angrily denounces Steve's pirate behavior, causing Steve's departure. Returning to his room, Peter encounters Goodman, who greedily offers him $100,000 for the deed to Average Joe's gym, claiming that Peter will inevitably cause its closure. The day of the final round, Justin assists his classmates and love interest Amber in a cheerleading competition after his bully and rival Derek becomes severely injured, leaving Average Joe's short a player. Peter briefly encounters Lance Armstrong, who restores his morale and rejoins the team, but he and Justin return too late. Average Joe's has already forfeited. After Gordon discovers that a majority of the judges can overturn the forfeit, the tie-breaking vote from Chuck Norris reinstates the team. So now we get to the final round. This is what we've all been waiting for. Average Joe's versus uh, Global Gym. And so... Uh, after the, the match to get him there, they're celebrating and they're feeling really good. And, you know, as long as we have patches, we have a chance. And then... The luck of the Irish. Fucking... It, when I first saw this, it, it, it took me back. I was kind of shocked by it. You know what I mean? Because it was just so out of left field. They just kill off patches. Well, I always say the movies I love the most are the ones that make you say, oh, shit. And this, for me when I first saw it, was my oh shit moment of the movie. Oh, Besides yeah. the wrench to the face of Justin's face. Oh, sure. This was the oh shit moment. Yeah, because you didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, now the team is really in disarray. They don't know, you know, are they going to make it? Are they not going to make it? And uh, it really starts to take a toll on Vince Vaughn. Mm -hmm. You know, so they're at the bar and uh, Kate and uh, Peter are talking and, you know, she's like, what are we going to do? And he's like, fuck, I don't know. And then he goes, excuse me. And this is where he goes up to his room. And um, and White's already in there. Yeah. And Michelle <laughs> comes out of the bathroom. He's having digestive issues. Can, can you close the door? Really? For, for all of us, baby. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> White offers Peter $100,000. This was great a great scene in that you always see people open up briefcases full of cash and really this is what a hundred thousand dollars would look like in a briefcase and i love what he says he says but it it's, loses its translation but it's not it's it, that's not a hundred thousand dollars that's ten thousand dollars you think so i don't know i know a hundred dollar a hundred hundred dollar bills no i it's ten thousand hmm. dollars i know so why do you know so because I, I used to count money oh. oh that's right he did oh okay so he was $90,000 short. Yeah, one strap is 10000 bucks. Yeah, well, there you go. So Peter takes the money, 
sign. Well, well, we don't know, but he's he, and the contract is pushed towards him. Just signed the contract, and we don't know yet if he actually did or not. Well, one of the things I like that kind of brought out this this thing is from what we got of Peter in the beginning, he really had no ambition didn't really care about anything and liked his life where nobody was dependent on him. Well, because if you don't have any goals, you know, you don't get let down when you don't reach them. Exactly. And now he's got all of these people depending on him. He's got all this pressure on him. He's got, you know, they're, they're putting all this ambition on, you know, all their hopes and dreams are put them. And this is where white really calls them on is that basically, you know, everybody's got all these expectations of you and it's not fair. And I think that's what really spoke to him. Sure. Then he goes back down to join the team and then... Kind of gives the opposite of a pep talk. Absolutely. And everyone's like, what are we going to do? And he's like, fuck, dude, I don't know. And he gets off and he storms out. And this is where he... Runs into the pirate. And he says, you're not a pirate. You know, which has made me sad because Steve the Pirate was one of my favorite themes about it. One of my... Gar. You know what I mean? So funny. Alan Tudyk. And uh, uh, Owen spots his crush in, Mm -hmm. in the bar. I love how he you pro- are the one that always looks at me. Why? Because you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And then she just perks right up. Mm-hmm. And then the song plays again. Oh, and for the record, I hate that fucking song. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I think of uh, Michael J. Fox in Family Ties. That's the song he danced to with that one big love interest in it. That's where I first heard that song. I don't know if that's right, but you'll have to trust me. No, I know what song it is. It's um, Billy and the Vibers. Vibas. Uh, what would you think? That's the name of the song. Um, but it could. Oh, Lady, Lady in Red. Lady in Red could have. Could have. Huh? Isn't Lady in Red Glenn Fry? No. No. Uh, no. It's Krista Berg or Krista oh, okay. or some shit like that. Um, anyway, off topic. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> and then Kate, she walks up to peter's room but it turns out he's already checked out how can you just walk into a hotel room i was wondering that same thing she didn't have a key and she just walks in she just walks right in anytime i stay at a hotel i always use that little door latch to lock you know set so the door stays open so anybody can come on in yeah well there you go um so she finds out that he's checked out as they are on their way to the match Amber, the cheerleader, finds Justin and says, Derek Fallon broke every bone in his body. We need you. And you're the only one that knows the routine. And he goes. Mm-hmm. You know, so now they are three players down. No Steve the Pirate. Grr, no Peter. Pussy. And no Justin. Pussy whipped. So uh, now, now what are they going to do? So they go and... Um, they're going to have to forfeit. But in the meantime, we cut to the airport. Here's what I don't get, okay? Global Gym is taking the court or taking the field on TV as Peter's sitting at the airport. Yep. Okay? How does he get back in time? I don't know. Well, obviously, he doesn't get back in time because the next thing we see when he is coming back is the award ceremony. So I'm guessing 30 minutes, 40 minutes past of... You know, the big announcement of their forfeiting, blah, blah, blah. They probably went back to the locker room, set up for the big award ceremony. Okay, let me ask you this. You think they got from the airport to that, wherever it was, in 30 minutes in Vegas? I've been to Vegas and gotten to any of the hotels in 15 minutes. But they weren't at the hotel. They were at the National Learning. They were at some uh, center. 
Oh. They, they weren't at a hotel. Maybe it was right next to the airport. Maybe yeah. it was right next to the airport. I'm calling that's just horse shit. As Peter's at the airport, he runs into Lance Armstrong. And I thought this was fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? So The fact that he's a dodgeball fan. <laughs> ESPN Ocho fan. I can't get enough, man. Uh, so what are you dying of that makes you want to uh, miss this? <laughs> what does he say? Uh, it's starting to feel a lot like shame. <laughs> Well, I guess if a person ever quit when they were when the going got tough, then they wouldn't have anything to regret for the rest of their life. But I'm sure this decision won't haunt you forever. Mm-hmm. And he takes off. And so uh, at this time, Justin comes back, and that's when Dwight says, hey, you just showed up right in time for us to forfeit. One of the things that happens, I think, right before that, Owen is talking to... Um, I don't know if it was Dwight, Dwight or someone. He's talking to Dwight. And he's like, there's trying to convince him Steve there the was pirate. A, there was a pirate on our team? And Owen couldn't remember Steve. Yeah. And so... Uh, There's still one player short. There's still one player short, and they are going out for the award ceremony, and White Goodman's all pumped, and William Shatner is going to give him the scepter. But just in time, Peter shows up. Now, my question is... You know, we know how the movie ends. Not only did Peter show up, he didn't go straight to the tournament. Like you were talking about how close was he, how much time. He had to go make some bets. And change his clothes. And change his clothes. So you're right. There was a lot of time that had to take place there. Good thing they're right next to the airport, huh, John? Yeah. But I guess, as you usually would say, Don, I guess it was written that way. I still don't know how he got to the fucking uh, tournament so quick. Maybe he was wearing his his, his outfit underneath his clothes. Uh, maybe. Maybe. So uh, William Shatner, the chancellor, is ready to declare Global Gym the winner. And he goes, uh, you know. It's a bold strategy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Pepper. Uh, Pepper says that. So Gordon finds a bylaw that says if uh, the committee gets two-thirds vote, then they can play. And so uh, they go to a vote. And the first guy gives them a thumbs up. And, you know, everybody cheers. And then the the uh, spinstress librarian-looking lady gives him the thumbs down. And Goodman's like, thank you. Like, he doesn't want to fucking play him. And then naturally, we get to the man, Chuck Norris. And he gives him a thumbs up, you know. So Thank you, Chuck Norris. No, thank you, Peter. After an intense game, Peter and Goodman square off in a sudden death match. Inspired by Patch's spirit... Peter blindfolds himself, evades Goodman's throw, and strikes him in the face, winning the championship and the prize money. Goodman nullifies the victory, revealing that Peter sold Average Joe's to him the previous night. But Peter explains he used Goodman's $100,000 to bet on Average Joe's victory, with the odds against them at 50 to 1. He collects $5 million. Since Globo Gym is a publicly traded company, as Kate explains, Peter purchases a controlling interest in it, thus regaining Average Joe's, then publicly fires Goodman. Steve returns, now appearing more normal, but revives his pirate persona when Peter reveals their winnings as buried treasure. Joyce, a friend of Kate's, who caught an earlier flight from Guam to witness the final match, arrives and kisses her passionately, shocking Peter. But Kate then reveals her bisexuality and kisses Peter similarly. Kate becomes Peter's girlfriend, Justin and Amber get married with a baby on the way, and Owen begins dating Fran from the Global Gym team. Later on, 
Peter opens youth dodgeball classes as a newly renovated average Joe's while Goodman becomes depressed and morbidly obese, blaming Norris for his plight. Roll credits. So we're down to the final match. What'd you think of this final match? I thought it was fucking hilarious. Uh, the commentary that Cotton and Pepper are doing along with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So good. I like how they, you know, try to resolve all the different stories going along. Like, you know, Justin's character with Amber yelling, I love you. I love you too. And then we have White's, Joni loves Chachi. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite bit in this is when it's Justin all by himself. And you got four Globo Gym guys ready to pounce on him. And this is where all of what we saw previously pays off. Because every time he couldn't catch the ball or whatever, he was learning how to dodge, dodge, dive, dip, duck, and dodge. You know what I mean? He finally catches one. And Kate runs in, and immediately as she's running in, somebody uh, Globo Gym throws it, and she catches one, and Peter's back in. And then... uh, what does Cotton say? That's a two-player swing. And they just have all these uh, names for it. And that's when, you know, Amber yells, I love you. And then right in the fucking face. What do you think of when uh, Kate gets hit by the ball, is walking to the sideline, and white beams are right in the face? Cheap shot. Okay. It was a total cheap shot. But my favorite part of that entire bit is when she goes to the sidelines and she turns around and she says, Hey, Peter kick his ass it's just so matter of fact did you see that the real yep. like, red mark forming on her face i yep. like how they kind of even went that far yeah well maybe maybe is maybe that's why they were getting a divorce you never know so now it's two on one it's peter versus white and michelle and peter manages to get michelle out but at the same time gets hit by white and we think that global gym has won but no Another case of your foreshadowing, the double fault. Well, an interesting note, something that I read was when they first made this movie and showed it to test audiences, that was pretty much the end of the movie. Average Joe's lost in the end. And that's how they presented it to this test audience. And it was just so horribly met that they had to go back and and do that whole new ending. Well, yeah, nobody wants to watch them lose. That's a downer. This isn't fucking Friday Night Lights. They thought it would be funny to actually do this whole big buildup and then have them lose at the end. Yeah, that's not funny. Mm -hmm. Especially after you get to know and love these characters. You know what I mean? Um, So it turns out that uh, White stepped on the line, and now we are into sudden death. And I love the reaction from everybody. Right, Cotton and Pepper, the judge, and I mean, as soon as you say sudden death, they just get all types of excited. Mm So, which you kind of knew was going to happen because when they were walking through the casino earlier and Gordon was going over the rules, he was explaining to somebody what, what is sudden, sudden death, death yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we get the whole thing, they explain the rules, we get Peter, they have to stand in these triangles and you know, each throw the ball at each other, and Peter pulls out the scarf. Did you see all the stains yes. on the scarf? <laughs> so did I. Would you have wrapped that around your head? Oh, sure, it was patches. But I like the fact that he sees the ghost, and I love how Patches ends it with, bye-bye. What movie was that a call-out to? I feel like there's another movie where someone blindfolds himself like that. Well, that sort of happens a little bit in Karate Kid, but where I went was, use the false, Luke. I went with The Matrix. When it slows down and he moves his head and the ball goes right by him, I 
I took that as it reminded me of Bullet Time. I kept thinking and thinking last night of what movie does this remind me of? And the one that jumped out at me was Bloodsport. When he learns to do all those things and block the thing while he's blindfolded early on in the movie. And at the end, he's blinded but still can win the match. Sure, yeah. But no matter, uh, Pete wins, knocks White on his ass, and Average Joe's wins. Much euphoria. Yes. But then the big reveal that he already sold the gym, but then he placed this bet and he won $5 million. <laughs> uh, what does he say? Uh, $100,000, 50 to one, anybody? And Owen, $50,000? <laughs> Clearly that dude's not good with math. And then we find out that, you know, uh, White's like, I don't know why you're so fucking happy. You just sold your gym to me. I'm going to burn it down anyway. And then uh, Peter's like, well, or I could invest. And become the... Buy all the controlling shares. Yeah. Yeah, something I hadn't caught before, I think. And maybe I had just hadn't paid attention. But there was a line early on in the movie, I think, when White is talking to, uh, talking to Peter as they're walking through the gym where he talks about his place being on the stock market, being publicly traded, and all this stuff. So, again, foreshadowing to this end where now this opens up for Peter to buy everything. Which he does. And, you know, he says, well, you work for me and you're fired, pal. Mm -hmm. One thing that I was reading about from the director's standpoint is they thought, you know, it would be really funny just to come up with a really easy fix for the movie, an easy ending, easy solution. And they kind of were making fun of that, that other movies do that, that they all just wrap things up right in, you know, a quick little bow at the end. So I guess the joke was when they opened the treasure chest, did you catch what it said inside the treasure chest? No, what did it say? Deus ex machina? So, machina. Machina? Yeah. So, which translates to God from the machine, which is a reference, I guess, I don't, I've never heard it before, but it's kind of a reference to a quick fix. You know, God will just fix everything. Yeah. So Steve the pirate shows up, and then... So just uh, as Steve? Yeah, just Steve. <laughs> well, Steve, if you're not a pirate, then who am I going to split all this buried treasure with? Gar, Peter. <laughs> Gar, Steve. <laughs> and then, you know, the mystery is finally solved. Is Kate a lesbian or is she not a lesbian? I loved when the woman walked out and kissed uh, Kate because right there, that was the payoff for me. They could have just left it right there. And everyone's like, damn, she is a lesbian. Right. But no, she's not. She's bisexual. At which point, you know, Peter says, checkpot. <laughs> And then we get the uh, the average Joe television commercial, which I thought was hilarious. Did you catch Fran in that television commercial? No. What do you mean? Did I catch her? She was there. She was there and out of her makeup. You actually got to see the real Fran. Oh, did the you? real actress? Oh. She just had the black hair, but she didn't have the teeth. She didn't have the eyebrow. She actually looked really nice there. Didn't have the red lipstick. No, huh? no, I didn't even notice. I was too focused on. Justin and his teenage baby mama. Yeah. I was laughing so hard because that's just Justin's luck, right? <laughs> there was one story arc that they didn't necessarily uh, address again, which was whatever happened with Gordon and his wife. Oh, I just imagine that he got fed up. He got angry. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that was the only one I thought, oh, we didn't see that, but we certainly didn't need it. No. All of the characters seem to have some kind of like 
story going on. You know, Steve the Pirate being a pirate, uh, Owen being in love with Fran, Justin being in love with Amber. What was going on with Dwight? Yeah, he didn't really have anything. No, he was just kind of uh, there. You know, I mean, I guess, I guess he gets the two girls at the end. Oh, that um, is true. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, you know, other than that, he was he was probably the character with the least amount to do. Mm-hmm. You know, even Owen had more because, like you were saying, with Fran. Uh, yeah, he didn't he didn't have a lot to do. At least they I, didn't I, have to go back to the airport. <laughs> when he says that, what, go back and work at the airport? No way. Owen is shaking his head yes, is nodding his head yes. Like, yeah, I'll go back to the airport. <laughs> And so, we get one final shot. What did you guys think of this? I didn't care for it. I, d- I didn't think it was funny. I I didn't either. Him uh, white as the fat guy? Yeah. Did you catch the one after the credits? Which one? My milkshake brings up. That's what we're talking about. Well, there was the first part before the credits where they just show him and he's like, you know, fuck Chuck Norris and all right. that. And then they go through all the credits and then they go back to him and he goes, you want to see the fat guy entertain you? Right, yeah. I don't know if we necessarily needed to see him at the end. Well, I don't know. Let me take that back. I think where he just says, fuck Chuck Norris, then we could have just cut to black and just ended it. I think that milkshake thing was a bit much. That's what that's what I'll say. I guess it was just a really popular song at that time, and they wanted to put it in the movie. I, I, I didn't think it was necessary. But I understand, and I can see why they did it. So who did it, for who did it better? Uh, family Guy's Peter or White? Oh, Family Guy. Okay. Without a doubt. Do you ever see that episode? Nope. Where he was in the prison and he had to do the milkshake song? Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's going to wrap it up for Dodgeball. That reminds me of another underdog story. Oh, for fuck's really? sake. And now it's time for John's... Moment. This is the point in our podcast where I take whatever movie we're reviewing and compare it to the greatest movie series ever made, Lord of the Rings. So for Dodgeball, I'm going to start off with Aragorn. Peter, Pete Lafleur, is the reluctant king called upon to lead his troops in order to save average Joes. So really, Peter is Aragorn. Legolas would be Kate. Over time, she becomes Pete's right-hand person and is the projectile sharpshooter of this movie. Gimli is Gordon Pibb. Short, plump, and when his temper gets raging, get out of his way. This movie really doesn't have any one person being Frodo. They all have their own journeys that they're on, yet share a common goal in their average Joe's fellowship. Sam, I'm going to give that to Justin. Justin is always willing to go the extra mile and take that extra ball to the face to help those around him. That would make Amber his rosy cotton. Mary and Pippin, I'm going to give that to Owen and Dwight. Both help out in their own ways, but really, they're mainly there for comic relief. And Steve the Pirate, well, he's obviously Captain Jack Sparrow. Gandalf is Patches O'Houlihan. He brings wisdom, puts everyone on the right path, and like Gandalf, dies halfway through the movie. The ring race? Well, those were Global Jim's dodgeball team, including Blade, Laser, Blazer, and the Witch King. Saruman, the white, I'm going to give that to Michelle Jones. He's the right-hand man of his boss, White Goodman. 
That makes White Goodman our Sauron. He's the one trying to crush average Joes and the fellowship. And he's the one who wants to rule everything. And with White Goodman's cutout, he's the one watching. For Chuck Norris, well, he's Chuck Norris. So what is the precious, the one ring? In Dodgeball, ambition is the main theme. Dwight has too much of it, and Peter has none. In the beginning, Pete could care less if he wins or loses. It's the fellowship that talks him into fighting for the gym. And when the pressure of winning gets to be too much, when Peter starts caring too much, that he reverts back to his lack of ambition characteristic and almost walks away. His speech at the end, let's just have fun, is his ring into Mount Doom moment. It's when he balances his desire to save the gym with his level of just wanting to have fun and be with his friends that he overcomes that corruption. And there you have it, my comparison between Dodgeball and Lord of the Rings. Bring on the grades. What you got there, bub? Uh, let's see here. So Aragorn is Peter, right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So I, I thought that I thought that that was uh, stronger to say than him being Sam. So I, I'm glad you took that route. I like uh, Kate being Legolas. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that uh, Patches is Gandalf, and I'm thinking also that um, Gordon being Gimli. Okay, in physical stature, I suppose. When he gets angry, too. Yeah. And uh, the Marion Pippin angle. Okay. So, I, you know, the uh, the Precious, that was the part where it fell short. So, I'm hovering between a B- and a C plus. I, I feel like that if there, if there was a, a stronger pull on, on the ring, you know, what is the Precious angle, I, I, I think I'd go up to a B- B minus, but since I, I felt a little crestfallen by that, I'm going to stick with a C plus. Hey, Professor. Right in the nuts? Fuck you. I am going to give you a C. I thought that the character comparison was pretty good. I really enjoyed I liked the fucking Gimli and Gordon. I think that's, I think that's pretty funny. Um, and then Mary and Pippin, I thought, were Dwight and Owen. So good on you, that one. So a C from me and that was john's moment hey john thank you for another ball to the face yeah you're welcome you're welcome all right what do you guys think you guys ready to rate this flick i think i'm ready to rate this flick john do you want to rate this flick yet uh let me finish this article that i'm reading in obscure sports quarterly hey fuck face i'm ready Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. If somebody were to say to you, hey, do you want to watch Dodgeball, a true underdog story? You'd be like, fuck yeah, I want to watch this. And a one fuck movie is a movie where it's one and done. And, you know, it's... Ah, fuck it. Man, I, no, f- no, don't like it. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie, well, that's what, for shit's sake. I want one hour and 34 minutes of my life back, asshole. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. Uh, Which one of you two would like to go first? Would you like me to go first? Is that a yes? Yes. Okay. When I first saw Dodgeball, I thought it was one of the funniest movies I had ever seen. Watching it again this last week... 
it's still almost just as funny. And so many recordable lines. That's the test of time when people are still quoting a movie almost 20 years later. And the physical comedy, other people's pain, there's just something funny about that. There have been many times where I've surprisingly done something stupid, hurt myself, and it took my wife a while to stop laughing before she could come help me. Dodgeball makes use of unexpected pain. Watching the featurette, the, the director referred to it as Schadenfreuden, which is a combination of a German nouns, Schaden, which means damage or harm, and Freuden, which means joy. So basically, it translates into joy over some harm or misfortune suffered by others. I don't know why we love it so much, but Dodgeball succeeds in fully capturing that concept. The casting was great. Vince Fawn does an amazing job. In my opinion, he's mostly a straight man in this movie, delivering the occasional zinger at the right moments. Justin Long is amazing with the physical comedy. Rip Torn, what can you say about this comedy legend? And Ben Stiller gave us an irredeemable villain that we all can just love to hate. All of the cast was perfect. I wouldn't recast any of them. Dodgeballs is one of those movies that I can watch anytime, anywhere. You bring it up and I'm ready to watch it. I'll laugh just as much. So it's for those reasons that I'm giving Dodgeball a true underdog story, 4.75 fucks. Uh, 4.75 fucks from the comic book guy. Quit looking at me with those googly eyes. I'll go next, Professor. Okay, fine. Then you go. Dodgeball. I think that Dodgeball is a classic comedy film uh, from beginning to end. It definitely is well paced. The characters are fun. The story is easy to follow along. Follow along with uh, the soundtrack completely fits with what's going on. It's just one of those kind of feel good movies. I think that Vince Vaughn has become the same character in most of the things that he does. That's just my opinion. But I think that Dodgeball is early enough in his career where I can really appreciate it. As we get on to later in his career, he does things like the breakup and Four Christmases, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Wedding Crashers. They're all kind of the same character, but we were introduced to it earlier on with Peter LaFleur. And I think that this is one of Vince Vaughn's uh, best characters uh, that he does throughout the entire film. It makes me laugh. Like you were saying, uh, comic book guy, the physical pain of others. It can be funny when done right. And uh, added with the sound effects and the wrenches and just rip torns insults and just the, the way it all played out. I, I really have a really good time uh, with this film. So I am going to give Dodgeball a true underdog story for solid fucks. Okay. I guess that just leaves me. Oh, would you stop hitting me in the nuts? Oh, you like it. All right. Dodgeball, a true underdog story. I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time, and frankly, I remembered very little about it. All I really knew was that it's a comedy, and I remember that I thought it was an okay movie at the time. So when I watched it again the other night, I have to say that 
I think it's a pretty good movie. It's a fun watch, and it works for a comedy. I also thought that Vince Vaughn, he is, as has been pointed out by others, he's playing the same character. He has a tendency to do that. But the character's likable because he comes across as witty, you know, with his with his one-liners. I really dug Kate. She was a very likable character. It was easy for us to, to want to have her join the team. I, I felt myself pulling for her to, come on, you, you need to be on the team. And I thought that White makes a great bad guy. I, I, I got to say, frankly, most of the time, I, I find Ben Stiller to be kind of annoying. And he's funny, and I dig him in Tropic Thunder, but most of the time, you know, he kind of sort of grates against me a little bit. But since he's the antagonist for the movie, it works that much more since he's such a douche. I also thought that um, Rip Torn was a really fun watch in this. I really appreciated Justin Long in this as well. He has a lot of really fun moments, and it is pretty satisfying listening to the dodgeball sound effect as people are being hit. And it is, I think, a good thing that we spend so much time watching dodgeball games. And the fact that the majority of the movie seems to be focused around that. Because sometimes we have other movies where we watch it and what we anticipate it to be, it doesn't necessarily follow through on that. And it and we want a little bit more of it because we thought there would be more of it. So the fact that there's so much of it, I, I think, works to its credit. And it's not done in ad nauseum either. I also appreciated that the movie's... It, you know, it's about a buck and a half. And because of that, you know, it's a quick and easy watch. So it's, it's a nice, lighthearted movie. The characters are really likable. Uh, the way that it, you know, wraps, it out, wraps itself up at the end. All right. It, it works. So I'm going to give this movie 3.25 fucks. 3.25 fucks from The Professor, 4.75 fucks from The Comic Book Guy, and 4 solid fucks from me gives Dodgeball a true underdog story, a average of 4 fucks, which ties it in the 11th position with Edge of Tomorrow and Clerks 2 and The Batman. And it's slightly better than Moonrise Kingdom and The Suicide Squad. And slightly worse than Thor, Love and Thunder, and Spider-Man, No Way Home. Man, that sounds really wild listening to all those movies together. Because those are some really different movies. And to think that they're all so closely rated. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens when you get four fucks. You are now in the 11th spot. I saw... a. Uh a little tidbit that uh, Justin uh, posted a couple of months ago where he was asked about the possibility of Dodgeball 2. And apparently Vince Vaughn has an idea that he's given to Ben Stiller about a potential sequel. And so far, Ben Stiller has come back with nothing. He, he hasn't said yes and he hasn't said no. But it sounds like that it could be a back burner sort of thing because the other supporting cast members seem to be favorable to, yeah, let's make another dodgeball movie. So I wouldn't be that surprised if maybe another one does come about because what Justin said, he thinks that it's a really good premise that Vince Vaughn came up with. Yeah, ni 19 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a while ago. Yeah. 
a movie I want to see now is, I guess, called Heavyweights, where Ben Stiller played a very similar character, you know, kind of a fitness crazy guy uh, in that movie, kind of an asshole in that one. And now a lot of people have claimed that they believe he's playing the same character. And uh, Ben Stiller's come out and said that he will neither confirm nor deny that that is the same character in both movies. Yeah. That is going to wrap it up for this episode. If you would like to know which movie we are going to review next, please check out our website. And speaking of next week, uh, faithful listeners, that is going to be our 100th episode. 100? You guys have put up with me that many episodes? I ask myself that question every week, bud. Oh, that we put up with John, not you. I should, <laughs> take, I... take your pick. I mean... So, yeah, we may have something special in mind, or we may not. You will just have to download us and find out. Speaking of which, John, where can they find us? Well, as always, they can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, where we post all of our podcasts, show notes, movie trivia, anything else I feel like posting that day, as well as you can find us on all of social media or anywhere that hosts podcasts. All right. I just want to thank Zach, Ronnie, and Jill for listening. Keep on listening. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Jill. And I want to thank everyone who listens and who has suggested a movie. Be sure to pass this along to a friend, and if you keep listening to them, we'll keep recording them. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thank you, Chuck Norris. They are all they all belong to a gym. <clears throat> I don't know. We'll play with it. We'll play with it. <laughs> play with our balls. You're about as useful as a poopy flavored diaper or a lollipop. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Ah. This it sounds Let's try this one. Oh. oh. I think I mean you're the editor, but you can always pump up the volume on that. What am I gonna say? Fuck you. No. Oh, can I? Can I, John? Is that what I can do? I don't know. Maybe you tinker with the with the audio. Oh yeah, yeah. Post. Hey, hey, professor. Okay. And ahead. quit talking whilst rattling the paper. Yeah. Get that out but of the way and like then go into professional. it. No, for fuck's sake. Doesn't it sound like okay in the news today? No. Does it sound like we're doing a fucking news feed? Oh. Jeez, man. We'll kind of like for the greater good. Yeah, the greater good. Where, where were you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a true underdog story is just a mouthful, you know, which you should be good with, John. Oh. Did, did we miss anything? Do you, is there anything you want to talk about? Um, let me think. Try not to think too hard. The goal is... Legolas. All right, I have a question for you two, and you have to pick one. All right? Pizza to the balls or shock in the nipples? Well, who hasn't done both? Well, I know, but... Shock to the nipples. Professor wants the nipples. What I, about you? I think I'd take the shock to the nipples. Yeah. That pizza could be hot. I was going to say, what if it was like just came out of the oven and it's greasy and rotten? And, and it's molten. And it's, it's molten. It's molten! Some uh, is that it? More for you to edit. Uh, eat me. All right, fuck off. Good night. <laughs>